Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kuntz coming from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, on the shores of beautiful Lake Superior. Too bad this is radio because you would be able to see it and you'd just say, oh, look how beautiful that is. And you'd want to move to Duluth except for the weather. The weather kind of stinks. But anyhow, so this morning is kind of a special morning for Real Presence Live because I feel like it's such a blast from the past. I've been doing this. I'm like one of the dinosaurs on Real Presence Live. I've been doing this for a long time. I've had three different co-hosts, like regular co-hosts. And I got one of them, the old ones back, Kevin Pilon. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, way to puff me up with pride this morning, Father. This, feel, this, feel, this feels like 2019 all over again. I know. It was when we were just kids. Both of us had fewer gray hairs. Yeah, we couldn't even have a, we couldn't even grow a beard. Nope. Because we were so young. Yeah, now you got like a nine o'clock shadow going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 you have. Wait, well, let's do a prayer. I'm going to do a prayer quick. Okay. So, so in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Spirit upon us. As we uh, discern your will in all things and that we do everything for your greater glory, bless the guests that we are going to have this morning as well as those who are listening. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, just Kevin, just a little bit of a quick thing. You had a kid since the last time I saw you. Yes, I am a new dad again for like, the fourth time. Fourth time. What's your, what's, no, this is a boy, right? No, this is a girl. That's what I meant. Yeah. And so, what's the, what's the girl's name? Her name is Sylvie. Sylvie. Not to be confused with Sylvia. Oh, oh, she is named after St. Sylvia, but it's the French spelling Sylvie. and pronunciation. Okay. Yep. Sylvie. I asked yeah. you to bring a cigar for me. I did, yeah. Oh, you did? Did yeah. you bring a cigar? Yeah, yep, I did. Did, did you not know about the tradition? Macanudo. If you like a Macanudo, I brought you one. Okay, I don't know what that is, but, but were, you, <laughs> were you not aware of the cigar tradition when you have a new kid? I'm not old enough, I guess, to know about this tradition. <laughs> okay, well, I hope the bishop's not listening in because he's, he kind of likes his cigar, but that's a tradition, <laughs> Kevin. When you have a new kid, the dad has to give cigars away. All right, Tim, I guess I got to find one for, for our production assistant over here, yeah. Tim, as well. <laughs> well, it's good to have you. You've, uh, h- how long were you um, uh, with us as a co-host? You know, a th- year, right? I think it was a little bit under a year. Okay. And we had lots of good times. We and did. And it's great to see your face it's, again. Oh, this is radio, though. All right, well, good to have you, Kevin. And we're going to get right to our first guest, which is Bishop Daniel Felton from the Diocese of Bishop, welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm very happy to be there and here, and uh, Macadoodle cigars are very good, Father Rich. Ooh, okay, all right. Well, See, he knows. <laughs> there is a tradition, there is a tradition, and customarily, actually, if you go to a cigar shop, there will be blue labels and pink labels on cigars for a baby girl and a baby boy. I'm not quite sure where the ritual comes from. It's probably not in alignment with most health regulations these days, but it is a, a customary tradition. Thank you. Uh, more in the secular world than necessarily having anything to do with the church, other than raising up smoke and incense, which is holy smoke of a cigar. Exactly. We could make a sacramental out of this. We could. We could, we could yeah, very yep. well. I think we could very I, well. I I do like the fact that you are confirming what I told Kevin. That was a learning thing. Kevin had never heard of that, and so Bishop, I'm glad that you're confirming this this cigar. Right. And every time you smoke a cigar, the last three puffs always have to be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit in in a way that is sacramental and incensing of sorts. 
I thought you were going to say every time you smoke a cigar, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> <laughs> it can be that you get your wings when you smoke a cigar, but it could, not necessarily it, an angel. Yes, it could be how strong that cigar is. But anyhow, we're not to talk about cigars today. Although, I mean, I could talk about cigars for a while. Bishop, I haven't had one for a while, so we'll have to get together and have one again sometime. Maybe I'll share this. What is it called? A Macadoodle? Macanudo. Macanudo. Okay. <laughs> Macadoodle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, on that note, Bishop. How's your day going so far? Um, actually, it's uh, been kind of hectic so far, so it's been a good day. And okay. getting ready uh, throughout this week to be at a variety of places to celebrate Catholic Schools Week. So, yeah, it's a very exciting week, and hopefully the weather cooperates so that I can get to yeah. all the places I, I would like to be this week. Yeah, well, cooperate this afternoon for you because you're coming here to my church at St. James for our kids. So I'll be good this afternoon for Mass. I am, I am. And and uh, you're going to be celebrating Mass at least today and tomorrow while we're still in Christmastide. That's right. So uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Maybe, you know, Bishop, uh, maybe you can explain that a little bit. Sure. You know, in the in the commercial world or in the Hallmark world, uh, a long, long time ago, in fact, the day after uh, Christmas, all the Christmas cards are packed away, and how come the Valentine uh, cards and everything for the other celebrations of the year? But for all of us as Catholics, you know, Christmas time is celebrated through the baptism of Jesus and that particular Sunday when we remember that. The Christmas Tide is celebrated through February 2nd tomorrow, and that's the great feast of the presentation of Jesus uh, in the temple by Mary and Joseph according to the laws and customs of their time. So actually, um, there should be a hint of Christmas that is still up in everybody's homes and all of our churches uh, through February 2nd tomorrow and the great feast of the presentation. And in fact, Pope Francis, uh, he has all of the manger and all of the great uh, parts of the Christmas season that are in St. Saint Peter's Basilica and out in the courtyard. All of that will remain up until tomorrow and then be taken down at the end of this week. So, Bishop Felton, does that mean the, the manger scene, the crash, is still up in uh, St. Peter's Square at this time? It should be, yep. That's been the tradition, at least with uh, with Pope Francis. Again, just reminding people... Um, that we are still in a Christmas season. And Christmas Tide, um, which is celebrated through tomorrow, um, is to kind of remind us that, that Christmas Day or the Christmas season isn't about a day or a season. It really is about a way of life every day of our lives. And so kind of in the lingering days of Christmas Tide, it's just to say, okay, we're getting ready to go um, beyond Christmas here, but everything that we've been about in a Christmas time uh, and tide shouldn't really end. It should just be a way of launching and beginning that every day of the year throughout this year. Fantastic. You know, I've talked with uh, a number of families who have, and it wasn't just this year, I know they've done this in the past, intentionally um, kept their Christmas trees and decorations up uh, through tomorrow. And this was the the first I'd really heard about that and the most number of people I've heard that from. Have you talked with anybody who has done uh who has you know been able to do things like that throughout the month of January? I, there have been uh, multiple people that have been able to do that. Although when I share this, you know, a lot of people are just kind of like, "Oh, I never knew that." Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's pretty fascinating. Or, you know, uh, when I'm wishing people a Merry Christmas, yet I get some pretty odd looks, um, <laughs> as though kind of I think the pressure's getting the bishop. He's beginning to sound a little crazy, you know. Uh-huh. But I, nope, the bishop isn't going crazy. Um, today and through tomorrow, we should still be out celebrating and wishing people a Merry Christmas. And then, you know, in the course of Christmas Tide, 
um, even the scriptures on Sunday begin to kind of lay the foundation for what does this mean as a way of life, all that we've celebrated at Christmas time, and not just for a day or a season. So we've got that powerful reading of Jesus uh, in the synagogue, picking up the scroll, turning to Isaiah, you know, and saying, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, um, you've been anointed uh, to bring glad tidings to the poor, uh, to go out and to make free those who are oppressed, um, help those who are blind to see, you know, once again, uh, to liberate those who are being held captive, and to declare a year of the Lord, a favor of year of the Lord. So even the Lord in that moment through our scriptures uh, these past couple of weeks has been kind of telling us, well, what does that mean to live the spirit of Christmas, not just for a day or a season, but for a whole year and kind of giving us a hint as to how we can be that and how we can do that. You know, you talk about the reading where Jesus is uh, reading from the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue. Um, you know, I think 2,000 years later, we miss out on some of that importance. But what do you imagine it would have been like as he opened that up and started reading that? Would it have triggered any sort of uh, importance for the chief priests as he started to read that? Would they have, you know, kind of sat up straighter in their chairs and, and wondered, why is he picking this out specifically? What would that have maybe looked like? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, by Jesus reading that, it was very common and very well known to the people who were hearing that. So those words from Isaiah and the way that people studied the Hebrew Scriptures and certainly um, uh, the prophet Isaiah, they would not be hearing those words for the first time. Those would be very familiar words to them. But as Jesus did so often, you know, he took a hearing that they were familiar with, and many times they had listened to those scriptures, and he turns it upside down, um, kind of on its head, because not only does he read that, but then he sits down, and in a synagogue, he says to everybody that's there, is he says to them, and now all of this that I've just proclaimed in Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, everything that I've just read through Isaiah is fulfilled in me. And that would have been somewhat shocking to the people of his time sitting in that synagogue. You know, kind of that he would have the audacity, or it would create confusion. Well, what do you mean that this is fulfilled in you? You know, it's fulfilled in God. But again, Jesus was just laying the foundation of that spirit uh, is upon you, uh, the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of me being born into the world, I've anointed you, uh, just as I've been anointed in the Holy Spirit, to go out and to proclaim me, and to go out to proclaim me is bringing glad tidings, is bringing liberation, is bringing freedom, and is bringing favors. Yeah, Bishop. One of the uh, um, uh, one of the things about the idea of Christmas tide going to the forty days, so to speak, is the presentation. Obviously, that's tomorrow's feast day, and so uh, how does um, uh, in regards to the presentation, the significance of the presentation for us today, what um, uh, what's the significance of that feast day in particular? Well, I mean, the feast day itself, you know, uh, was the custom of that time was that you would present your firstborn, you know, in the temple in that moment. Obviously, this is where Anna and Simeon come in. This is where Mary is told, you know, that this is a great event, but there's going to be sorrow to this as well. They were kind of offering sacrifices and thanksgiving for a child had been born to them, and ultimately this guy, the Son of God, being born. So there's all kinds of dynamics that are going on. But the day is also called, or traditionally was called, Candle Mass. So it's kind of an epiphany moment in the presentation of Jesus in the temple, of Jesus being the light that he's going to be to the world, 
um, as a revelation of the Son of God coming into the world and bringing that light to darkness. So this is also the day traditionally when candles are blessed um, for candle mass, representing Jesus, the light of the world. Those were candles people would often take back to their homes to burn during the rest of the year. This is also where we bless the candles for the Feast of St. Blaise, um, so that we can have a blessing of throats. So today, it just would be a reminder on the feet of the presentation in the many, many moments of darkness that seem to fill up our personal lives, our parish lives, the world in which we live, the communities in which we dwell. There's a piercing light in Jesus Christ that can never be dimmed, can never be put out. And it's ultimately that light of Jesus Christ that is going to bring light and enlightenment to all darkness. Bishop, one of the uh, uh, one of the things in the United States, we tend to not do a lot of these beautiful traditions that we maybe are still pretty common in Europe. In your back in the day when you were in the um, uh, parish, is this something that you would do? Would you ever encourage people to bring candles, mm-hmm. or do you have yeah, candles so we, that bless we, uh, this day? Yeah, traditionally in the parishes where I served as pastor, uh, tomorrow we always bless the candles for people to take with them. Um, did the ritual? There's a special ritual on the presentation liturgically. Um, how we enter into the church and some prayers that are prayed and, and read. So um, that's available to us, um, and, you know, it would be a wonderful thing to go back and to just live out and to actually do the right as it is prescribed for us on the Feast of the Presentation, rather than just kind of glossing over it, although it does demand, you know, some preparation in advance. So, Bishop, you, you mentioned having candles blessed. Is that something that we as lay people can can look to do and, and talk with our parish priests about, is bringing them candles uh, tomorrow or th- maybe sometime this week to have them bless the candles for the year for us? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's especially highlighted, you know, on, uh, on uh, tomorrow on the Feast of the Presentation. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that you can bring things of that nature at any time uh, to the priest to be blessed. You know, and the blessing always acknowledges that God can use everything and anything to draw us closer to His Son, Jesus Christ, who is that light. So, yeah, if you bring a candle to a priest on the Feast of the Presentation, it really is in alignment with the day and the feast day, but just like rosaries and scapulars and all kinds of things, uh, new cars, uh, tackle boxes, the Catholic Book of Blessings has uh, blessings for lots of ordinary things in life, but are extraordinary always in the person of Jesus. We've been talking to Bishop Daniel Felton from the greatest diocese in the whole country, the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, and we'll continue this conversation immediately after this brief break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, 
please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Duluth edition. I'm Father Richard Kuntz along with Kevin Pilon. We're talking to Bishop Daniel Felton about all things Christmas tide. So, Bishop, I, when I was in the seminary, I used to play a lot of um, uh, pool and I'd always make um, excuses about a bad shot I made. And I remember one guy saying to me, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, every day would be Christmas. He'd always say that to me. So I always think of that whenever I make a, like a mistake and, a, and an excuse. But how can we make every day like Christmas? I mean, we're still I, in Christmas tide, right? I, so. I know we're still in Christmas tide. But again, Christmas tide is really trying to get us ready then to you know, move back into a time that wouldn't be officially designated as Christmas. But the spirit never ends, and the spirit of Christmas must continue on. So one of the great—the uh, Church gives us all kinds of gifts, because I don't know about you, but I find myself saying, ah, to live the spirit of Christmas, a spirit of life and love and mercy and joy and hope and all of those things that are connected to the incarnation of Jesus, God so loving the world, sending Jesus into the world. But, you know, to embrace that and to live that and embody that as a disciple of Christ, I'm like, man, I, it's hard enough to be that nice on Christmas Day, much less a Christmas season. And yet the Church, you know, acknowledges that as our mother kind of caring for us and nurturing us, like, how do we sustain this spirit throughout the year? And so one of the great gifts that the Church has given to us are the corporal works of mercy, you know, which which are, you know, simply feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter um, those who are travelers, visit the sick, visit the um, imprisoned, and bury the dead. And a lot of the corporal works of mercy we are so good at leading in the days leading up to Christmas. So in the days leading up to Christmas, man, we don't want anybody to not have the clothing that they would need, so we have winter coat drives, um, we don't want anybody to be sad or in need, so food and giving food and bringing toys and all of those things that are a car- part of corporal works of mercy, visiting uh, in the nursing homes, um, high school carelers out into all of the assisted living quarters. I mean, we do all kinds of things in the spirit of the corporal works of mercy leading up to Christmas, but then it's just like for the 11 months after that, uh, we don't remember that. 
And so, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just remember there were directors of nursing homes who would say, oh, we are so thankful for everybody who comes to visit and all the singers and everybody who comes through during Christmas time. But if you want my, my, to be honest, like, we don't see anybody for the next 11 months until next Christmas. Mm. So to live that spirit and whatever that, that way is that we lived it in the days leading up to Christmas, you know, it's the spirit of God that's upon us. We are anointed to do these things. So it's, it's not like our thing. It's God wanting us to do these things, and in and through us. And God uses us, not just at Christmas time and tide, but every day of the year, God wants to use us. So by being open to the corporal works of mercy, it forms us, it shapes us, it sustains us uh, to live the spirit of uh, Christmas in a very powerful kind of way. You know, it almost seems like a, um, a mentality uh, shift or change. I think we're all very much used to... Um, culturally, the the feeling of Christmas ending very quickly uh, after the first day of Christmas, and you know, I don't want to get stuck on the the trope of the commercialization of Christmas. But do you have any thoughts on um, why we it seems so easy to get stuck in that um, momentum of moving on from Christmas so quickly? And uh, what what's maybe a simple way for those of us who are maybe hearing this for the first time to try and extend? Um, even just the mentality of uh, celebrating Christmas as a season and the spirit of Christmas farther into, you know, past January 1. Yeah, I think that that, uh, as a culture as a whole, and and we're part of that culture or we're shaped by that culture, but we're a lot better at the times that lead up to great feasts and celebrations than we are Many times when those feasts or celebrations just kind of kick off a time or a period of continued celebration. So be that the 4th of July, uh, Memorial Day weekend, um, New Year's Eve, and the resolutions we make for New Year's Eve. I mean, as a culture, we love to get ready for big feasts and for big celebrations. But when they're done, we're done. And the Church, though, uh, many times will acknowledge that if something is done for God, in God, with God, oh my God, you could never celebrate that Christmas in one day. And so it says, let's let's just take the first eight days, you know, the octave of Christmas. Let's just concentrate on that for now. And then once we got that octave in, you know, let's take this up to the Feast of the Epiphany, the 12 days of Christmas, and let's celebrate that. And then once we're there, let's take that out to the baptism of Jesus and, and think how this is all connected to the baptism. And then once we're not at the baptism, let's take this out to the presentation. So the mystery of God unfolding before us is so deep, so wide, so big, no one could ever fathom that or even begin to understand that, much less embody that um, in a day or in a season. So one of the things we continue to do as a church is every Sunday we are celebrating basically the essence of everything that Christmas is at, Christmas, at, at our Mass. Christmas itself comes from the two words, Christ's Mass, so it has something to do with the Mass embodying everything the Incarnation and the coming of the Son of God into the world is about. You know, so every time we celebrate a Sunday Mass, we are able to participate again in the great incarnational event, remembering God loves us so much that He sent His Son into the world, not just in that moment, but every time we celebrate the Eucharist, every time we celebrate the Mass. So one of the best ways, and the Scriptures that are proclaimed every Sunday, one of the best ways to celebrate Christmas all year round 
is to open our hearts up to the presence of the Spirit of God and being anointed by God at every Mass, every time that we gather to celebrate the Eucharist. is a wonderful way of keeping Christmas alive all year round. The crazy thing is, Bishop, a lot of our holidays, even on a secular level, are inspired by the Catholic religion's feasts in mm-hmm. and, and holidays. And so, I mean, that's a part of the, the continuation of the celebration is a part of the co- Catholic cultural holy days that didn't stick with the secular holy days. But the other thing, the other idea of like, you know, there was this big debate, you know, a few years ago, probably still some people debate, say, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas or happy holidays. But the fact, they kind of say the same thing, because holidays is holy days. Happy right. holy days. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and the other thing is we have the, we're going to be soon going into Lent, and then all the excitement that leads up to the big feast of Easter, which is is the the top of the hill, the summit of all celebrations uh, through the whole year. Um, but then we celebrate the 50 days of Easter, you know, after we've actually celebrated Easter Sunday, and we're, we're right back to where we are with this Christmas event. You know, I always said that we should probably have Christmas lilies and Easter poinsettias because, <laughs> you know, poinsettias go on forever and Easter lilies are good for about two weeks or three weeks at tops. So they start to wilt and fade uh, during the Easter season of 50 days after Easter. And that's kind of our own spirit starts to wilt uh, with the lilies. So I'm an advocate for Easter poinsettias. I think I'd get very confused if, if we did that in the parish. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I, you would have a hard time with that. Not take too much to get you very. Confused. He can yeah. handle one uh, new yeah. thing at yeah. a time. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. New yeah. one new thing a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean, uh, I was going to say something. I lost my train of thought. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, I was going to say, Bishop, you mentioning the corporal works of mercy. You know, I it made me think. I had kind of this funny thought of, you know, certainly if I'm on January twenty eighth, twenty ninth, thirtieth. And I'm wishing people a Merry Christmas. For most people, that's going to seem strange. But what isn't going to seem strange at any point is grabbing onto one of those corporal works of mercy that you talked about. Um, I was really struck by uh, your anecdote of talking with people at assisted living and nursing homes and how starved they are for help and, and visits and people's presence and, and you know works of mercy throughout the year. Exactly, you know, and because the need doesn't go away, it's just we go away because we kind of think, well, that had something to do with Christmas, Christmas is over, and I'll think about that next year for Christmas 2022. But if you're living the spirit of Christmas, which is really the spirit of God, that we're anointed in God, as Jesus proclaimed in the, in the synagogues, synagogue, then it's, it's a spirit that we are called to live all year round, not just for a day, not just for a season. Bishop Felton, do you know, and maybe I'm putting both of you on the spot, but where these corporal works of mercy that we have in the church, what is kind of their context? Where did they develop, or how long ago did we come up with the corporal works of mercy as a way of living out our Catholic faith concretely? Well, I mean, the corporal works of mercy are given to us from the very beginning in the scriptures, in the Gospel of Matthew at the end, with uh, the Great Commissioning in Charge. I mean, basically, it's the judgment. And, uh, you know, that at the end of time, when the Son of God comes uh, in Jesus, you know, and that's the passage of the goats and the sheep and who's on the left and who's on mm-hmm. the right, but the, the criteria that will be used for our being able to embrace the fullness of all that God's kingdom is about um, would be, as 
as is articulated in the scriptures, to do exactly the corporal works of mercy. Right, Keep and love, hungry, your, love your neighbor as yourself, yep. too, right yep. from Leviticus as well. Right, exactly. So so these are, are not things that evolved over a period of time. These are not, you know, my idea or your idea for our times. I mean, these are the very words that are given to us in the living Word of God and through the Scriptures. It's not something that would be nice to do. Maybe I'll get around to it someday. But our very salvation hangs on living the spirit of Christmas every day, all year round. So is it fair to say that when we practice a corporal work of mercy, we give food to the hungry or drink to the thirsty, visit the sick, um, that we are tapping into um, ways that 2,000 years of billions of Catholics have worked out their salvation? Bishop, you have one minute. Yeah, you know, and I just think, again, um, the, the biggest spiritual guideline that we can have in all of life and in all things is so simple. Ultimately, it is never about us. It's always about the glory of God. So, so even when I go out and, and give clothing to those who are in need of a winter jacket, or I give some food to the food pantry knowing that I'm helping to feed people in my local community, those are all good things. But they're not good things for my sake. They're good things for the sake of those that I'm serving, so that I might be the presence of Jesus Christ to them, that through me, they might know the love of God for them and the person of Jesus Christ for them in their own walk of salvation. So the minute I make it about my glory and not God's glory, then we're not really living the spirit of Christmas. Amen to that. Bishop, thank you very much. This has been a great conversation, and I look forward to seeing you at Mass here at St. James this afternoon. All right, and I as well. So take care, everyone, and we pray blessings upon all of those who are listening to us today, uh, even somebody as far away as Kentucky, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, Bishop. Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. After this brief break, we will have your opportunity to call in with your questions on Straight Talk. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 